John chapter 6, verse 60 is where I'm going to start. We've been going through the book of John for a while now. We've been in chapter 6 for the last four weeks. And today I get to preach the last message in chapter 6. And we've been on this discussion concerning uh, the aftermath of Jesus' miracle. Jesus has just fed 20,000 people from five loaves of bread and two fish. And it says that the next day, the people followed him across the sea to the other side. And when he gets there, Jesus says to them, listen, guys, um, I know why you're here. You're not here because you saw the signs. You're here because you're hungry. You want another meal. And so from that, he uses that as a launching pad to teach some of the most amazing moments in scripture in his ministry he tells them you guys are looking for physical bread but i want to let you know that i am the bread that's come down from heaven it would have been one thing if he had said i am bread of life but he says i am the bread of life that's come down from heaven and he's explaining a very very deep theological thought where he's saying i incarnated i am not like you i'm different i came from heaven and when they hear this, they're scandalized. It says that the Jews, first you had a group of the crowd, the, the people who came, and now you have the Jews who are the leaders of, of, of society, the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law. They dispute amongst themselves, how can this man say this? And Jesus doesn't soften his words. He doesn't say, wait, wait a minute, guys, I, I didn't mean it that way. Uh, I'm just, just kidding about that whole bread from heaven thing. No, he goes deeper. He says, unless you eat of me and drink my blood, you will die in your sins. And they're scandalized because the law of Moses taught them that if they ate flesh with blood still in it, they were against God. But he's saying, no, listen to my metaphor. Eating requires trust. I want you to believe, but I'm not going to leave the issue of belief in your hands because God the Father is the one who's going to draw you. Humanity on its own will never come to faith unless God draws them by his own sovereign hand. I, I, I would have never believed if it was up to me. If it was up to me, I'd have kept on doing what I was doing and enjoying it. I'd have kept on going the path that I was going. But God captures my heart and, 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 and there's a moment where, where you're just kind of like, why are these things happening? Why is, is, is this uh, question coming into my mind? And it's because the Holy Spirit is drawing you to the person of Jesus Christ. So you may come to believe and receive him. Our text simply reads like this in verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, what I just talked about, when they heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do not take offense at this. Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who were those who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said this, he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. I, I uh, was deep in study in this passage and the Holy Spirit brought back to my remembrance one of my favorite philosophers, Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler had a sketch 
This was in high school when I first saw or heard. I don't know if it was on Saturday Night Live or something. But, but he has a sketch where there's a group of guys in a car and they're riding. And as they're riding, they're, they're bringing up different subjects. Pizza and, and Coke and, and water slides and all these different things. And, and every time they bring up something, they say, oh, that reminds me of the time when I did this. Oh, that reminds me of the time when I went here. That reminds me of the time when this happened. And then finally the last guy says, that reminds me of the time that I did this. And ah, car stops and they kick him out. Because what he said is not tracking with where they're going. We're cool, but we're not that cool. You're crazy. You're a little bit nutty. I don't know why you would say that. I don't know why you would uh, think that way. And the sketch goes on. And it, and it, and it goes on and says that, that, that uh, uh, they, they bring up another subject. And the same thing takes place where one guy says something that goes a little bit too far, a little bit too extreme. And they kick him out. Have you ever been on an elevator? And you have to go like 40 flights. And uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, it's, it's packed, and, but, but all of a sudden, somebody, somebody farts. I was going to say it all politically correct. Somebody uh, flatulates him. No, they fart, and you didn't hear it, but you smell it. And you're like, oh, my goodness. This is only the third floor. I'm going to floor number 40. Uh, I'm, I'm on fifth floor. Hit five. And you get out of the elevator because, man, you are going to die if you were going to stay a few more flights. Am I the only person? I had to think and, like, should I say it? No, I shouldn't say it. But there's something offensive about when, when someone does that, you no longer can ride with them. When Jesus has said that I am the bread of life, when he has said to these people, you're, you're spiritually bankrupt. Yes, you have a form of spirituality. You have a form of religion. You have a form of thinking, but it does not match up to what I'm bringing to the table. You must surrender your thought process, surrender your ways of doing things and understanding God and surrender to me because I am the Morgan Freeman for God. I narrate God. I exposit God. I am the one, if you see me, you have seen the Father. And when they hear this, it's as if someone has farted on the elevator. When they heard this, they said, stop. Get out the car. When they heard this, they could not receive it. It says, the text says that when his disciples, his disciples... I understand the crowd who is there only for the show. I understand the people who who have the t-shirt, but they really don't believe in their heart. They just got something free that day. I understand them disputing Jesus' words because they're not really in. I understand the Jews, the the leaders of the Jewish uh, 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 religious society. I understand them disputing Jesus, but it says his disciples His disciples, the guys who were supposed to be tight with him, when they heard this, they had trouble. They heard this. They couldn't hang anymore. Why why would he say that? Somebody stopped the car. Pumped the brakes. See, the thing is this, is that preaching that only preaches to what you want to hear is not preaching. That's called pandering. And Jesus does not pander to his disciples. No, guys, I didn't mean it that way. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, What I meant to say, what what had happened was, uh, see, I was hungry. And when I'm hungry, I sometimes speak. I don't even know what I'm talking about. 
Jesus doesn't back down. He says, no, what I'm preaching is the words of life. And you're either going to come under my teaching or you're going to continue moving on with life. When they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. The word hard in the text there is really not a proper translation. The original Greek manuscripts have it this way. When they heard this, they said to themselves, this is a harsh and difficult, offensive fart in an elevator. (laughs) Who is in their right mind who would sit and listen to this nonsense? No one in their right mind would listen to a man tell us how we are to come to God. No one in their right mind will tell us how spiritually bankrupt and broke we are. He says that he descended from heaven. Are you serious? No person should hear this. Jesus knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this said, do you take offense at this? My good friend, Dick Viverka, who went home to be with the Lord, uh, we, we spent some good time together. And, and I remember uh, some time back, I, uh, I, I invited him to come with me to a conference in Orange County. And we had to leave really early in the morning. And everybody in this room has morning breath from time to time. Amen? No, okay, all right. There's one alien amongst us. Ursel was sitting in the back seat. I think Kevin Williams was with us that day. And, and we're, we're riding, and I'm, I'm riding shotgun. Dick is, is driving. And, and, and as, he's, as he's driving, we get on the 91. We pass Corona, and I'm turning, and I'm talking to them. I'm just telling them everything that's going to happen, what to look out for. And, I, and I'm saying all this stuff. And Dick Viverka says, uh, 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 Jonathan, uh, in my glove compartment, can you open up my, my glove, glove compartment for me real, real quick? Thank you. Uh, and so I opened up the glove compartment, and, and he's like, you know, yeah, just keep looking under the papers. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just lift that stuff up. Uh, under there, there should be a pack of gum. Uh, can you please open it up and stick two pieces in your mouth? Because your breath smells. <sighs> now, now, Dick is like 70 years old, okay? When he said that to me, I didn't know whether I should be offended if I should just go ahead and submit that my breath is stinking. Arcel is in the back seat dying laughing. <laughs> I've been telling you all these years. What, what do you do when someone tells you something that's true but puts you on blast? I could have been stubborn and said, my breath is not stinking. I can taste my breath. <sighs> nope, nope. It's not stinking. Or I can submit and say, yes, I'll accept. I will not be offended. Jesus says, are you going to take offense at this? The word offense there is the Greek word scandalizo, where we get the word scandalized. Jesus is saying, are you scandalized by what I'm saying to you? Does this scandalize you? Does this complete, completely break you up and make you want to change everything? Does this make you want to tear your robes? Is it that heavy for you? Verse 62, then what if, everyone say what if. What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? 
face value, we read that and we're thinking, oh, Jesus is saying, if you guys saw me floating up into the clouds, as you sang Kumbaya, would you then believe? Or would you be offended? Some theologians say, Jesus was saying, if I was to reverse everything that I've done right now, if I was to go back, become a little boy, become an infant, re-impregnate Mary, and go back to the Father, would you be offended that you would have no hope because your destiny is hell and it's real? Your destiny is broken. You'd have no hope without me. Would, then, would that offend you? Another way of looking at it, I think it's the proper way of looking at it, is Jesus is saying, when you see the Son of Man ascend, when you see the the Son of Man ascend, uh, what you have to understand in that portion there is that Jesus' body prior to the cross was very much like ours. After resurrection, he put on incorruptibility. After resurrection, he had received glorification. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that that his resurrection guarantees our resurrection, for we shall also put on incorruptibility. We shall also have something different. Our Our bodies that are breaking, Botox is not working. Working out is not working out altogether. Come on. We'll put on a new body. And so, so Jesus is saying, if, if I was to ascend in my glorified body, but the portal by which I will ascend is a portal where I am first lifted up on a cross and I die for your sins, would that then not offend you? You know, we're so familiar with the cross. We're so familiar with crucifixion because we sing about it. Easter comes around every year and we're talking about it. You, 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 you do the Christmas thing about little baby Jesus in a manger and that's cool and everything. And it's so familiar to us. It's so commonplace. But the thing about the gospel is that there's no other narrative in any other man-made religion that speaks of incarnation. A God who descends and comes down and stoops down and comes on our level. No other religion teaches that. Every religion teaches spiritual levels where you go higher and higher and you meet up with the deity of choice. But Christianity teaches God who incarnates himself and comes to our level and goes back to bring us up to his level. Not based on the things that we do. This is a thing that's offensive. If there was a rapist in this room right now, and the judge came before us and said, that man over there has committed rape so many times. However, however, it is, it is in my judgment that he should be set free and the rest of you should spend your life in prison. We would be scandalized. Because our logic teaches us that if you commit a sin or a crime, you pay for it. The gospel says you have all committed sin and crime against the holy God. However, holy God's going to come down and earn your salvation that you may believe upon him and his finished work that he'll take on your shame. He'll take on your nakedness. He'll take on your, your corruptibility. He'll take on every evil thing that was committed against you, every evil thought that you had thought towards your sister or your neighbor or your brother, everything that you have done, he takes it upon himself and says, I am going to die in your place. 
All you have to do is believe it. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to calculate it. All I'm asking you is to believe in me, in my sacrifice on your behalf. And it scandalizes us. It messes us up because that doesn't seem like it. That's not logical. You got to pay to play. You do the deed, you got to pay for the deed. Amen? You work 40 hours a week, you get a paycheck. And grace is not what you do, but what I've done. It's not your works, it's his works. You can't have faith on your own, so God gives you the power to believe. Would you have then been, been offended? Do, do you take offense at this if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. What he's basically saying is that I can't, you can't do it. It's impossible for you. It's the Spirit who gives life. It is something outside of you that gives life. Can I go ahead and just go deeper with it? See, the Bible descri- describes our condition prior to God is that we were dead in our trespasses. Does a dead person say, please wake me up and bring me to life? The salvation of God is not a a double-handed salvation where you're reaching up and he's reaching down. The salvation from God is a true salvation where he just comes and scoops you up and says, I am saving you. I am rescuing you. You're mine. And then when he takes you on the shore and you cough out the water... (laughs) <laughs> it's funny because have you ever been in a situation where you help somebody out that was helpless and then when they come to, they say something like, help me. You've already been helped. It's the spirit who gives life, the flesh, us in our human condition are no help at all. The words have spoken to your spirit and life, but there's some of you who do not believe. Everyone say they do not believe. It is not because of a lack of information. It is not not an issue of understanding. It is an issue of faith. It is an issue of faith. There's no place in the Bible where God says, I need you to understand how salvation works. All he says is, I am the bread of life. Believe. I'm not talking about Some dumb just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to believe it. There comes a point where you know that the Spirit is drawing you and exposing ideas and exposing things about God and his power to you. And when you're being exposed to it in that manner, it is now the point where God is saying, have I got your attention, Rachel? Have I got your attention, Nick? This is for you now. I'm speaking to you in your language in a way that you can understand. What are you going to do with this? I am opening up your heart so now you have a platform to believe, Nick, when before you did not have a platform to believe. What are you going to do with this? I am granting faith to you. Are you going to accept it? God has sent his son And now he draws you to him. Whereas before you could not be drawn. Whereas before you were an enemy of God. Dead to him. Trapped from him. And that's why he said in verse 65. 
This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. No one can come. If you're in this place right now and you're here because of something made you curious. Something has been tickling your brain in a certain way. Something is happening in your heart. And you're like, I, I, I have to inquire and find out. That is evidence of the Father's work to draw you to him. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to be like the crowd that only came for bread? Are you going to be like the disciples who could not take his words because they were offended because Jesus told them that they had bad breath and they needed him? Are you going to be like this group of people who in verse 66 say, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. I, I, I like the Fast and Furious. My favorite lines in that is when Vin Diesel says, all right, ride or die. <laughs> I, I, I like his voice. I'm sorry. I mean, if I could preach with his voice, this person, place would be packed. Our pastor talks like Vin Diesel. It doesn't look like him. He's got bigger muscles. Don't laugh. Say amen. <laughs> in the movies, there's always a, there's a scene in the last Fast and Furious 6 where, where um, uh, they're, they're about to race, and, and, and the girl tells Vin Diesel's character, this can cost your life. And Vin Diesel looks at her and says, ride or die. Remember? I'm committed. I'm planted. I'm grounded. You can't shake me. I'm not going to be on the fence anymore. I'm committed to this thing. Whatever may come, whatever they may say, I am in this to win this, no matter what. I'm not here because Jesus is going to get me something. I'm not here because the preacher said that if I give offering, I'll get a house, husband, and a car. I'm not here because I want his stuff. I'm here because Christ is my reward. I'm not here for the bread, Jesus. But many that day who only wanted the bread, who only wanted the stuff, who only needed a crutch. Some of you come to church because all you need is a crutch. Christianity is not a crutch. It's not a pacifier. It's not a respiratory uh, machine that helps you breathe better because, oh, I've got Jesus and that's all I need. That's not Christianity. Christianity is not, oh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to put on my shoes, I'm going to walk around, oh, heaven, heaven. I got a mansion up in the sky, and I'm going to escape one day. That's not Christianity. Christ is my reward. Christ is my all in all. He is the end goal and the goal of it all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever would believe should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, man. Many on that day heard Jesus' demands as far as discipleship. Jesus' demands as far as what he needed you to believe. See, the thing is this, is that we, the church, the church sucks, man. Sometimes it sucks. It does. Because we like the show. We like worship leaders with product in their hair. 
Matt's not wearing product today. Just a little moose. You're light. You know, I just blanked it up. Problems. We like all this, all the trappings of religion. We like the, 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 the nice prophylize. You guys know about prophylize? Jesus is making a demand for something else. He's saying, leave that behind. Leave your rituals. Leave your forefathers, the faith of your forefathers behind. And trust a resurrected Savior that went to a cross. Believe in my accomplished work on a cross. The body that I've given on a cross that offends you. The blood that I have spilt. Believe in that and you will be saved. I was in my word studying this and and, and it messed me up. It really messed me up. Every, every now and then you have an experience where you, you almost have your own little, like another salvation. That's how I describe it. I'm in my hotel room meditating on the word and just thinking about my life and all the different things that have happened in my life. And, and I'm reading this and I'm like, man, God, this, this, this is doesn't make sense. How am I supposed to share this with, with your people? And because I'm ADD, really, not because I'm spiritual, I, I started thinking about my son. If you're friends of mine on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, you'll discover that I'm obsessed. Six months ago, my life was forever changed when that little boy was born. And over the last six months, I've seen myself go from a heart like Vin Diesel to mush, to being that guy at the grocery store who sees other babies walking by and like, oh, he's so cute. How old is he? Oh, my goodness. I have a, I have a five-month-old at home. So, so is, he, is he like, you know, is he teething? My friends are like, what's wrong with you? Um, this is weird. Like, you'll understand when you're a father. And just caring for him and snuggling with him and playing with his toes and playing with his, just his watching his mannerisms is just, I fall in love every day. Every day it's just more and more. It's weird, man. I mean, like when he burps, I'm like, oh, man, he just burped. Pauline, get in here. Get in here quick. He's burping. He's burping. He burped. Burp again. Burp again. Pauline's worse. She says weird things. Changing his diaper. Good pooping, son. Good pooping. Good job. I'm like, What? The other day, my little niece, Salem, my little four-year-old niece, was watching me change his diaper and says, did he poop? I'm like, yeah, he pooped. Good pooping, Zion. Good pooping. I'm like, you've been hanging around with Auntie Pauline. Why is that good? He needs to do it. It's good. Good job. So now I start saying it. Friday night in my hotel room, completely busted up because I remembered 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I'm talking to God. I'm like, I'm so in love with this gift you've given me. And then God says, you have never loved your parents the way that you love him. I have never loved my parents the way that I love my child. At that moment, I was like, man, do I need to go back and just snuggle with my mom and dad and just kind of jump in the bed like, yeah, let's play? Because I never did it. Mom would say, come here, let me give you a kiss. I'm like, no, it's embarrassing. And then God took a, a step further and said that you feel that, you understand that about your situation, about your parents, but I'm the heavenly father. Why would I send my son on a cross? Because my love is deep. My love for you exclusively, specifically, for you individually is deep. It's not a proxy love. It is specifically for you. And I will do whatever it takes to get your attention, to draw you to my son so that I can bring you into eternal relationship with me. I will spare no cost whatsoever. I am committed. When it comes to you, my child, I ride and I die on a cross. Jesus says to his disciples, he said in verse 67, do you want to go away as well? And it was not a question of him saying, is this how you feel as well? But rather, Jesus, knowing that they had already been chosen, wanting them to articulate their own belief. He's saying, commit. Are you on the fence? Or are you in this to ride or die? So Peter speaks up representatively for all of them. He says, to whom shall we go? I love the fact that it is recorded that he says, to whom? Because if he said, we have nowhere else to go. Do you know people who have no options? Have you ever dated someone because nobody else would date you? Let's just keep it real in church. Confess. We'll start over here. (laughs) Nobody else wants to be your girlfriend, but Sally will, and you'll accept everything that Sally brings to the table. (laughs) I got a girlfriend. No. Peter says, to whom else? There are other options, but we've staked our claim in the ground. You In you we believe. We have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This morning is simple. This morning is simple. Are you ride or die for Jesus? Or do you need more signs? Are you in this because you believe Or do you need to have a dissertation written just for you specifically when he has been calling you and drawing you to himself over and over again? As I sat in my hotel room, these words came to my heart and I wrote it down because I I needed a declaration for myself. I needed to stake my claim in the ground. Amen. 
I needed to come to terms for myself. And so I wrote these words and, and I called my designer. I was like, you need to design this because I'm going to give this to everybody else. So if the, every, the leaders can just start passing this out right now. I'm going to ask you to make a declaration this morning. Are you part of the crowd that comes for the show? Because if you're part of the crowd that comes for the show, I'm going to ask you right now as the pastor of this church, don't come back to this church. Go somewhere where they'll tickle your ears. Go somewhere where you'll be comfortable. Go somewhere else. Because here we believe in the words of life. We believe in the spirit that gives life. I wrote these words. Today, I am going all in. I'm not holding back. I'm not turning away. I believe that God the Father sent Jesus to die for my sin and raised him up on the third day so that I can too be raised up to new life in him. I have been drawn to him by grace. I have been chosen by him to experience the life eternal that only he can give. My response today is to believe him, receive him, and to live a life of knowing him. He is my reward. Take this card, fill it out. He's not asking you to understand, to know more, to calculate more. The call is for you to believe. He's drawn you to this place. He's already at work in your heart to bring you to this place. Maybe you've been walking one of those on-the-fence type of Christianity when you're just kind of like a Christian sometimes, and when you don't feel like it, ah, not feeling like it, so I'm not doing that today. Stake your claim. To whom else will you go? Who's going to stand with me this morning? Who's with me this morning? If you filled that out, just pass it to one of the leaders. If you leaders who stand up and just pass this and receive this, give it to me if you've got it, and let's make this thing real. Amen? You have a choice today. The Father has drawn you, but belief is in your hand right now. He's opened up your heart so you can come to belief. Ride or die. Amen?